So, Matt, how's it going? Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, we have had a ton of reviews and I've been looking at them and they've been really good. Yeah, you were you were messaging uh, messaging a few over this morning and it was it was nice to wake up to people just being like, this is a great show. I I subscribed to one password because I listened to you guys on the show. And I was like, all right, well, at least we're starting to pay for our lunch here. So, Matt, this is a bit of a, an auspicious uh, an auspicious recording because today, for the first time ever, we have our producer on the line with us. Hello. Hello, Anna. I have a voice. So I'm not just behind a computer cutting things. Oh, it's so great. I'm so happy. The interesting thing here is that none of our mentions to you will ever have made it into the final thing because you cut them out. Exactly. While we're very familiar with you and, and talking to you while we record, the the actual listeners will not have recognized this at all. So They won't. And it's just a one-way conversation of you saying, sorry, Anna. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We are pretty terrible at recording. And it usually, usually we say that after we swear horribly or something <laughs> else. So, or, or when we sound less than hyper-intelligent which I think that happens quite often. Yeah. Or just, yeah, string sentences together, you know, make them make sense. <laughs> so I think one of the things that we have, have to acknowledge is that we've been away for a couple of weeks. Like we had the live episode, but before that, like, you know, we, we were away for a little while and it's, it's good to be back. There's been a lot that's happened in the news. Oh, a ton. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that we're going we're gonna to cover when we go Go through Watchtower Weekly, for sure. But now the question is, do we reuse the jingle? No. No. I listened, and it was awful. <laughs> I, I mean, I I love that you had an idea, and I love that everyone participated, and I hate the result. So, uh, no, never again. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a jingle. Uh, but if we do, let's get like a like an old timey men's quartet to do it for us. Right. Or something. Let's oh, okay. You want to hire a barbershop quartet to like, yes, I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know whether my barber's any good. <laughs> at haircuts or at singing? Oh, it's at, at singing. Graham's a lovely man, but I, I don't think he has a voice for, for music. Graham is the actual name of my barber. I feel like I should should have changed it now. You've just doxed your barber. That's great. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he listens. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I think we can get straight into the news. Like, we, we've got several stories, and the, the biggest one is a chain of, you know, three or four stories that, that broke and that we covered as well on... Um, on the one password blog and it's these giant collections of credentials that seem to be hitting hacking forums and the dark web in general and things like that they're usually sold but a lot of them have been offered for free as well yeah these are fascinating i think if you bundle them up we're talking like we're talking billions of of passwords and, and records not millions which is astonishing really yeah now troy is having a field day with this uh, troy hunt who runs have i been pwned like this is this is almost literally his bread and butter right here to see stuff like this appear yeah yeah well i i mean he he kind of you know let us know that that something was coming and uh then then collection 1 happened and then 
collection two to five happened. <laughs> and then, you know, we're, we're talking millions of credentials in there. And then this new one that was uh, 620 million hacked actual accounts. So some of the credentials are things that are an aside from accounts like uh, hashed emails or addresses, like a- anything like that, not particularly passwords, but like these 620 million, these these were actual passwords. It's like uh, the, the MyFitnessPal one was was back in there. You know, so, some of these are replays of, of older credentials, but it makes them more widely available. Um, and that's that's pretty bad. Like if you if you didn't change your password when MyFitnessPal or uh, any of these these got hacked, um, you know, now is definitely the time that you needed to have done it. Yeah, absolutely. So this is like one of those things that is, first of all, it's amazing. Like to see collections of this size get out there. And it is just sort of continuing evidence that people who use the same password everywhere are putting themselves at a great deal of risk for compromises of real data. Maybe it doesn't matter to you if someone gets into your Instagram account. But if you're using the same password as your bank, like then that's you are you are in for trouble. It is not okay. I I would bet on most people's list that the bank is fine, but get into my Instagram and I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, I can I can see that. But, um, you know, like with the 500 picks the other day, and and I don't mean to sort of toot my own horn, but I got the email and I was like, well, okay. That password is one that was generated. It's unique. I don't need to worry that it's anywhere else. I'll just go and change it and I'll be fine. But for some people, it's really, you see the advice in the articles that these companies send out where they're like, please go change your password. And also anywhere else you were using this password, you need to, you need to update it. Uh, and some of them do go and, and say like, you should get a password manager. But yeah, I'm always, I'm always fascinated to see collections. These, these collections come out and, and just sort of like, you know, breaches and stuff like this happen. And it's terrible that it does happen, but every time it does, I feel like it sort of furthers people, sort of the collective consciousness that like, okay, there's got to be a better way. There's, I should really be using a tool to help me not have to suffer so much from this. I think we're already at the point where it, it, if I was talking to anybody and I was trying to convince them about a password manager, I could tell them to go to Have I Been Pwned and they would be pwned. Oh, absolutely. I think it's like 99% of most people in, in the Western world now can can enter an email address into this thing and actually find, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I was in Tumblr or, oh yeah, you know, Flickr or, you know, a, any of these uh, that in, in the past have had problems. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's just going to continue to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to some other, uh, you know, crazy things that have happened uh, this week and, and both really revolve around Apple, which, you know, they, they have a pretty good security track record. Um, and yeah, but both of these contain to Apple, but one I think is good. And one I think is, you know, it was pretty bad. Let's talk about, you know, the fact that Facebook and Google are the, you know, are, are some big ones to actually violate Apple's enterprise program. Yeah. I was so happy to see this in one regard, in particular with the Facebook one. Because they were just abusing this thing to ship the shadiest of of apps out to people. So, okay, we should probably take a step back. Apple has the App Store, and that is how all you know everyone buys their apps and gets and gets apps onto their phone. However, 
there is another avenue by which you can install apps on your phone, and that is through Apple's Enterprise Program. And basically what it is, is it allows companies to sign the app in such a way that they can just make it available for download and someone can just go download it and install it on their phone. The purpose of that program is for an organization to distribute apps within their company without it having to go through the app store. So uh, in Facebook's case, they were using it very legitimately internally for things like, I believe they have internal transit apps. Uh, I believe that they have food service apps where employees can actually order food, but there's no technical controls over where those apps can be distributed. It is all based on on an agreement that is signed by that company with Apple saying that we will use this for internal purposes only, but that does not prevent them from just going and sending it out to anybody they want. And that's what happened in this case. Facebook had a an app, a VPN app that they had acquired and they had put it up on the App Store and it was determined that it was actually doing more than it than than it should have. It had elevated its permissions to the point where it was sort of recording usage data and 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 other things that people were doing. So Apple pulled it from the App Store. Uh, Facebook then went and decided to distribute this thing as a research application using the enterprise program to people who volunteered to to do this. So they were paying people twenty dollars a month to install this app, and it gave Facebook complete access to their phone activity to to everything they did on their on their device and then they were using that to sort of you know monitor and research and and collect data over over phone usage patterns and this is a very clear violation of Apple's privacy policy and the enterprise program and so what Apple did which is well within their rights to do was they actually deactivated those enterprise distribution certificates and it disabled all the apps that Facebook had distributed with that not only the the apps that were violating the agreement that they had sent out publicly to people, the research apps, but also all the internal apps uh, that that Facebook employees use on a day to day basis, they all went dead. It caused a big disruption internal to the company, and it was a big kerfuffle, sort of publicly. Like I said, I enjoyed seeing it just from the the point of view of like someone was doing something wrong, and Apple called them out on it, and 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 took action to take care of it. It's interesting that they didn't keep this internal as well. I, I would have loved to be in a fly on the wall in like fa- Facebook campus, just watching all these people go around who normally have apps to do like everything. Apple's enterprise program in the early days, sort of before Apple acquired TestFlight, uh, and TestFlight was actually its own service. This is how developers distributed apps to beta testers. They would stand up uh, an enterprise certificate and send apps out pre-release versions of apps out to beta testers. And it's the kind of thing that I'm sure Apple knew was happening and just sort of let go because there wasn't there was no alternative to actually beta test these things. But now as as we start to see it being abused, Apple's going to really start cracking down on this and and rightfully so, I think. Yeah, and we've seen that it's not just Facebook, right? It's Google as well. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Google Google was also caught up on this just like a day or so after the Facebook one broke. Let's let's talk about the thing that hit us while we were on the uh, on the cruise ship. Uh, I you know I used FaceTime uh, pretty much solely uh, on on the cruise, of course, because you're in the middle of the ocean and all you have is a, a very limited Wi-Fi connection. Uh, so I, I essentially had to turn it off and then turn it on to, to call my wife and then turn it off again and then turn it on to call my wife and then turn it off again. <laughs> <laughs> this was a really bad bug. The ability to 
hear someone before they answer the call is pretty terrible. Terrifying. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to know if anyone actually used this to to hear anything that they shouldn't have, have heard. Like I want to I want to know if someone actually like leveraged this after the news came out. I I mean, I was going to give it a try, but then I was like, mm, I probably shouldn't do that to the wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I god. Think, I think it's also illegal in the UK. So and That's why you called me the other day, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this was a result of group FaceTime. Like this bug existed because of of the group FaceTime feature. And so uh they disabled group FaceTime. They didn't do it right away, which I was kind of surprised about. Uh, it seems to me that as soon as it came to light, they would have been like, oh, turn it off, group FaceTime. They they didn't move as quickly as I sort of figured they would. Yeah, and then they said that the actual fix would take another week, which is like, you know, two weeks for a bad bug like this is, you know, I'm not saying that, that we don't have bugs and we don't get them out in weeks, not days, but like... If it was something as bad as this, someone would have been up late. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure that someone was up late for this. Like, this is, you know, so, so, sorry, Jimmy, you're not going home tonight. We have we have work to do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So moving on to the next section, we we need a name for it. I, I think we say uh, tweet us. Tweet us with what you think this explanatory segment is called. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, and you can use the ask one password hashtag. It's got to be as good as what the phrase. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be as good as what the phrase like we've set the bar. You're right. Um, so, Matt, we have a new segment uh, currently called Explain It Like I'm Five. Today's topic is DDoS. Matt, what is a DDoS? So DDoS or DDoS stands for Distributed Denial of Service. Right. The intention is a disruption in normal service or operation for a specific network or website. So the attack directs a flood of traffic, like a flood of users. Uh, it might be like a, a bot network. They could be all requesting the same image, right? So, you know, you host an image of Rue on your website. Rue becomes famous. Everybody wants that image. It's It's simulating that yeah so it could be a more complex fraudulent request that takes the computer time to work out meaning like it no longer has time for legitimate traffic and the computer would then start denying service to other visitors right so it's like if you're in a queue at the supermarket and there are 100 people in front of you all with credit cards that don't work right you'd likely get pretty frustrated and and not get served the first d stands for distributed this brings like a whole new level of DOS attack. So if all the people in this checkout that we were talking about uh, had faulty cards, were at one till, it would be kind of easy to handle the other customers, right? It would just be like, yeah, let's handle everybody in this till and let's kind of, you know, channel everybody off to other tills. But if you have hundreds of people like time wasting on every till, there's no way you can actually serve real customers. So Matt, what's the, what's the point of this? Like why would someone undertake a distributed denial of service attack so it, it, it could be financial like when a shop like amazon is offline uh e even for a small amount of time they would lose a substantial amount of money it, it, it could be political you might like you know not like the message someone is making and you know because they can is is another reason it's a sad point but you know people climb mountains because they're there so this sounds like this would require a lot of coordination, you know, between a, a ton of people in order to pull something off like this. Because if you think of a website like Amazon in particular, there's millions of people 
going to Amazon and, and accessing that website every day. How do you coordinate an attack like this to, to, to go after a single target? So the first way is that it, it might be a virus making normal, legitimate computers act fraudulently. And you might even not notice that your computer is doing this. So you visit, you know, Netflix instead of Netflix. And then, then your computer becomes part of this attacker's network. These are called botnets. I see. So it's not co- it's not a bunch of people coordinating. It would, it's actually, you know, maybe a small group of people coordinating a large army of computers. Yeah, the computer then gets recruited into this army and, and receives uh, orders from the central computer on what to do. The instructions could be like location, website, when and how long for to attack. So there are a couple of different types of attack, but they're all fairly similar. Uh, The first is uh, Blitzkrieg, which was a military tactic designed to create kind of disorganization through uh, very fast mobile forces and and locally concentrated firepower. Essentially, this is one of those conversations that you have that overwhelms you and leaves you wanting to reply but unable to. Uh, The next type is, is called prank calls and this is the type of conversation where the person talks nonsense at you and you have to evaluate it and then try and respond and so it takes up your time and you have to respond Uh, so that's what the computer is doing it's trying to to work out and then that is using computer power and then there's domain name server amplification attack. That sounds like that needs its own explain it like I'm five. <laughs> it absolutely does. It's essentially DNS and it's a DNS amplification attack, uh, potentially the most dangerous type of DDS. So uh, domain name servers, DNS, uh, these are the things that, that make it so that when you type in uh, Instagram.com, it goes to the Instagram servers. Uh, those are actually backed by IP address names, uh, you know, 192.168.1.12 and and it it translates that between between numbers and and words that everyone that people type every single day. So that's what these servers are for is to do those translations. So domain name server amplification attack this is like calling a restaurant and asking for the entire menu then asking them to read it back while you are on the phone simultaneously to another restaurant. I don't quite understand that, Matt. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so imagine, you know, having two restaurants and you ring one up and you ask them for the entire menu, right? So they've got a load of information there. Then you ask them to read that back to you. And then you're basically holding two phones together and one victim is passing information over to the other one. So it's it's basically, you know, creating a huge amount of amplification of this data. Oh, okay. So, wow. All right. Yeah. Fascinating. So yeah, that target then gets hit with a huge amount of information that they didn't ask for and actually can't deal with. So it would be like, it would be like calling a Chinese restaurant and asking them to read the menu to you, ringing up an Italian restaurant and then having the Italian restaurant listen to the Chinese menu and they're like, we don't have any of those things. You, you can't order those things from here. We, we Please stop reading this to me. And and it's just it's just an overwhelming amount of information that ties up the lines. They can't they can't get responses out to the people that are actually calling in uh, to, to order, you know, their, their pasta and meatballs. Exactly. So there are several ways of dealing with all of these DDoS attacks, like, you know, increasing your bandwidth to be able to hold hold off these attacks, essentially. There are pieces of software that identify patterns and, and also block abnormal traffic. But we actually have uh, Tim coming on the show. And so he's going to explain to us how 
one password generally defends against these type of attacks. Oh, very nice. Tim is the self-described keeper of keys. Uh, I think you actually call yourself beardless keeper of keys. Keys and grounds, right? yes. Keys and grounds. Okay, I'm, I'm obviously losing my Harry Potter references. We spoke today about uh, DDoS and, and the different types of attacks and, and things that make up DDoS. Um, and so I thought it'd be good to have you on the show and, and talk about know the kinds of things that the one password does now we are a you know a company that is in the cloud uh, how we stop these kind of attacks from disabling service from us I, I guess where to start would be are there specific targets for these type of ddos attacks well every time i think about ddos attack is it's really brutal kind of attack because uh, all it does is a disruption of the service there is no gain out of it. I mean, there is no other objective than just to bring down the service. People cannot extract any data during that. I mean, there are more sophisticated attacks which combined with the DDoS and just mask it. I remember being back in the days when um, people got mad at Santa Cruz operation for, uh, for claiming a Unix trademark and it started to attack it. It was like in 2003. Uh, everyone on the way, like uh, I was working at the internet service provider at the time, uh, our clients were suffering of it because they got infected and upstream channel was like completely blocked, saturated. They couldn't use internet at all un unless they just turned off the uh, that infected computers and start doing something to cure it. Answering your question, the more interesting and um, the more attractive the target is, the, the, the more jealous people get. They trying to to bring it down, basically. Okay, yeah, that's that's fascinating. So, so the the upstream was essentially the the flood of traffic going from that infected computer hitting the computer or, or server that, that they were targeting well these days it's it's a cloud and it's a it's a distributed services so it's it's harder and also uh p people on the on the attack side got smarter they don't saturate it completely so it's more or less usable and sometimes it's barely noticeable but when you do it from uh, millions of devices then it's just it's very bad on the receiving side so would you say that they're becoming more frequent or do you think that like the modern web services because you know they can handle a lot more traffic that they are better at scaling and, and we kind of perhaps don't notice that they're more frequent well the two most recent GDOS attacks that i heard of like at the at, at, a, at a large scale were dean dns uh, attack when the it was like a couple of years ago I believe I don't remember the actual date here uh, it went when the half of the internet just went down and the another one was like a smart attack on a github I'm actually using a github I guess by Chinese firewall if you remember that it was three four years ago when specific page was basically attacked by multiple clients and it was because of the there was some kind of injection on the firewall side and they were um, basically including the link to that attacked a web page and every computer which is going which was going through that firewall was basically just hammering that 
for uh, a website and just bringing it down. There was something to mitigate that, that attack that they were say, saying that they re rerouted all of the traffic to some facility which, which basically was, was bouncing them back or just filtering them out. Would you say that that's one of the ways that, you know, most of the time we protect ourselves, like scaling up? Like what, what, what are the tools available if someone is attacked? Well, with uh, current state of affairs in the cloud and it's more or less cloud these days, but some people basically host their services in the clouds, others do it on the self-hosted data centers. For example, GitHub, they host their own service in, in their own data centers. That was a couple of years ago, it, it, it could have changed already. Uh, other people just utilize whatever uh, cloud can offer. And it's getting harder for attackers basically to attack the cloud because uh, cloud providers are better prepared for that, that, that kind of uh, disruptions and they have like a massive security teams and, um, and um, mitigation programs which basically are part of the customer agreement. Okay. Do you get alerted at all of any attacks like this how do we usually respond like what's what's our process when that when that occurs does it you know wake you up at 3 a.m or <laughs> well uh the, the the thing that i will say in the next couple of sentences i just want to have a disclaimer whoever is listening to this podcast right now and if it's a potential attacker this is not an invitation <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to stress that out. This is not an invitation, but I want to confess that we have never experienced a fully blown DDoS attack on our on our servers. Uh, first off, is because nobody even tried, or um, because our system was smart enough to block that. How this works for us? We have a multiple layers of. Uh, First of, of data protection, and second is the infrastructure protection as well. So on the very first level, there is uh, the one password app itself, not the client on the on the client side, but the server side, and it has a so-called built-in active defense system. It's not super sophisticated, but it's smart enough to block any kind of repetitive attacks that, that can be there. So one of the things that I, I find kind of interesting is, is you know, how, how sensitive we are to things like this. We are so sensitive about this in parts that we've blocked, you know, customers because they've all signed up at one point or all tried to get the same document or, you know, the the, the sensitivity of this, like, We've adapted over time, right? Yeah, uh, actually, that, that's uh, that, that's the thing that you were talking about. Is this is exactly the active defense in action? Is when uh, a larger customer, when they connect from the same office, like and 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 it's a, I I don't want to say number, but the, a big amount of people trying to connect to the same domain at at the same time. Basically, it. It creates a burst in the in the connections, and we uh, have to whitelist their office IP or VPN IP to make sure that they are 
there is their service is not disrupted yeah that's a, that is interesting and and i guess you know when we when we do tests like this and and when we find out things like this it that i guess is from one it is from one location like you mentioned but how do we how do we tell the difference between this and just like a really good day at the office right where everyone's downloading one password and everybody's talking about us is the difference there that it's kind of widespread traffic so we you know we don't start blocking it there are days when dave sends out an email as a part of our newsletter explaining and talking about uh, all the wonderful things that we do at the company and that attracts a lot of people they start to download or Rue and his team releases a new version of 1Password 7 and people s- start to download it and uh, all kinds of uh, subsequent events are happening after that. And that is uh, a download of the binaries, a download of the all of the assets that um, might be cleared during the, the new version rollout. So we have alarms on all fronts there. We are receiving all kinds of uh, alerts and uh, and the alarms and it, this gets a bit scary because uh, we have it's it's really easy to not catch the actual attack inside of that burst of the flow right okay it's um i i hope someone tells you before we send out a newsletter and you're not just always on <laughs> oh, oh yeah uh, i'm i'm one of the subscribers as well so i do receive that <laughs> and and i go through the links i i understand what what kind of a uh, request people do from those uh, emails and just understand what well, what kind of a uh, traffic can be ch- generated out of we it. uh we did when we were mentioned in the newsletter this podcast we did get a couple of thousand extra subscribers that that episode wow so yeah thank you very much tim for for coming on it's it's been great talking to you and and finding out all the things that i kind of just assume work at one password and and (laughs) that they get done with without me thinking about them and i'm very grateful for you and your team yeah um thank you very much guys Uh, um this is really a, a great opportunity to talk about our infrastructure yeah, thank you, Tim. It was it was good having you on today. So this brings us to uh, possibly my my favorite segment, and and the one I think we need a jingle for the most. Oh man, what is I listen? You so you said on the cruise, people are people are asking for jingles. Is it just you? Are you the people? No, I I got one email. Well, one. I I got an email about having jingles, and I was like, this is a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> so Matt. Uh, Matt, what the phrase? What's the crack? I mean, right. So this is an uh, this is an Irish phrase. It's very common, actually. So the one that we had last week, not so common. I don't think you you were going to guess it. Uh, so so what's the crack? Um, Irish in origin. I mean, it's it's got to be just like what's up? Like how's how's your day? Like how's how are things going? I think it actually means how's the conversation, ah. and it essentially does mean what's up or what's happening or it, it basically means. What's been happening in your life since we last met? What I love about this is how crack is spelled. It's it's C-R-A-I-C. I mean, it's it's not C-R-A-C-K. I wonder if, can I get like a definition on that, on that particular word? Or is that, is that slang? Yeah, I think you probably could. Yeah, let's find out. This is great radio. Listen to Rue Google things is what this should be called. Oh yeah, I see. There's actually a uh, a, uh, a Guinness ad that says uh, what's what's the crack, and it's got a toucan with a Guinness on its on its bill. Uh, 
Crack is a term for news, gossip, fun, entertainment, and enjoyable conversation, particularly prominent in Ireland. It is often used with a definitive article, the crack. Nice. I like it. That's a good one. All right. Well, with that, I think we are done for this week. Yeah, I think so too. We've had a few shows now and we've, like I mentioned earlier, we had lots of great reviews. Uh, it, it would be really awesome if, if you know, you left a review for this on, on your local podcast app. And with that, love you, Rue. Uh, love you, Matt. Love you, Anna. Oh, love you, Rue. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs> my, my bye is the favorite thing that I do on this show now. Mostly because you people hate it. <laughs>